Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. Hello and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm so honored to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, child and teen development specialist, author, and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two great kids who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I want to or not. Believe me, I get it. It's not always easy, but we're in this together, and we have some great people helping us along the way. Now, many of us in the past have been taught that we should not see color, not to mention color. When looking at people around us, in our community, in our schools, or in the various towns, cities, states, and countries we live in. But is parenting this colorblind way really the method of eradicating racism? There are major tragedies involving black and brown people discrimination that they must contend with every day. So pretending that color doesn't matter isn't helping because it does matter. How people look at race and treat people across races must be discussed in order to erase racism. Through empathy, critical thinking, asking key questions, and allowing for uncomfortable conversations to happen, we not only teach kids how to not be racist, but how to be anti-racist. Actively pursuing a community and a world where racist structures are challenged, mistakes are admitted, and new paths are forged so that true equality can be achieved. How do we raise an anti-racist? How do we engage in these critical conversations? For that, we turn to my next guest, Dr. Ibram X. Kendi. Dr. Ibram X. Kendi is the Andrew W. Mellon Professor in the Humanities at Boston University and the founding director of the BU Center for Anti-Racist Research. He is the contributing writer at The Atlantic and a CBS News racial justice contributor. He is the host of the new action podcast, Be Anti-Racist. Dr. Kendi is the author of many highly acclaimed books, including Stamped from the Beginning, The Definitive History of Racist Ideas in America, which won the National Book Award for Nonfiction, making him the youngest ever winner of that award. He has also produced five straight number one New York Times bestsellers, including How to Be an Anti-Racist, Anti-Racist Baby, and Stamped, Racism, Anti-Racism, and You, co-authored by Jason Reynolds. In 2020, Time Magazine named Dr. Kendi one of the 100 most influential people in the world. He was awarded a 2021 MacArthur Fellowship, popularly known as the Genius Grant. He has now authored a new book called How to Raise an Anti-Racist, and that is the topic of our podcast today. So welcome, Dr. Ibram X. Kendi, to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. It's great to be on. Well, I'm thrilled to have you. I've been really looking forward to this interview. I think your book is incredibly well-written and very easy to read for the parent and educator. Before we get fully immersed in our discussion about how to raise an anti-racist, can you tell us what gets you up in the morning and what set you on this path of writing about raising an anti-racist? 
Well, it's interesting because the answer to those two questions, there are many answers to those two questions, but I think two of the overlapping answers are the same for me. You know, one of the things that gets me up in the morning and, and one of the things that sort of propelled me to write this book was seeing just the smile of, of my daughter, my six-year-old daughter, and, and knowing uh, how painful uh, racist ideas or racism can be for adults and even more so for kids because they don't really understand what's happening to them. And wanting that smile to remain by actually engaging with her, by actually instilling with her that there's nothing wrong with her skin color so that she knows that through and through before anyone tries to tell her differently. You know, just as a, a parent who has a white child who is instilling in them that, you know what, you're extremely, you're special when you are nice, when you're special when you share, you're, you're special when you're kind, but you're not special because of your skin color before the world tries to say, to tell them something differently. Um, so that's what, you know, just to, to, to keep that joy uh, with our kids. I mean, that, mm -hmm. that, that wakes me up in the morning and that certainly is propelled me to write this book. Thank you for that. I, I would love to get the lay of the land for those who haven't read your book yet. In the past, many parents thought that they were doing the right thing by parenting the colorblind way. That is, according to your book, avoiding any mention of race in discussions with their children. And they might see an act of discrimination and say, we're all the same and not much more or hush the child when the child describes a teacher or a store owner or a friend by the color of their skin. They might say nothing when another story of violent racism comes on the news, but this is not, in your words and in your opinion, in your book, this is not raising an anti-racist when we parent in the colorblind way. So Tell us what is wrong with parenting in the colorblind way and what key shifts must we make instead when an opportunity to discuss race comes up or anti-racism comes up? Well, I, I think, let, let me give an example. You know, one of the things we do as, as, as parents is we, when we have young children, we, and we're crossing the street with them. We teach them to look both ways. We talk to them about what's going to happen if they don't look both ways. We, we, we have a, a recognition that there are drunk drivers out there and there are distracted drivers out there. And we also have a recognition that it's important for our kids themselves to have the skills to be able to cross the street on their own. Um, I'm mentioning that because I know you're probably like, where is he going with this? I'm mentioning that because it's the same thing. You know, if we understand like racist ideas, dark is ugly, light is good, as like cars that are literally going to hit our children. The parenting in the colorblind way is just sending them out to cross the street, mm. not encouraging them to look both ways or to identify that as a, a, as a wrong idea. And, and so what happens? They get hit. And so for me, this, you know, raising our kids to be anti-racist 
It's about protecting you know, them. And one of the ways in which we protect our kids is by answering their questions <laughs> about any difficult topic, including race. And I can remember recently my daughter, Imani, uh, my, my, my wife, Sadiq, is a physician and she mentors uh, someone and that uh, her mentee sent her a video of a um, medical school graduation because her mentee was graduating from, from medical school. And my daughter saw the video and looked at my, my wife, the real Dr. Kendi, and, and was like, where are all the brown people? Why aren't there more brown people? Mm. So at that moment, we have the option of saying, don't say that, <laughs> uh, ignoring the question or answering the question, right? And if we say, don't say that, what are we saying to our children? Actually in the book, I argue that the first lesson kids receive about race from their parents and teachers is to not talk about it. Right. <laughs> that, that's the first lesson. Um, so we're sending, we're talking to them about race by saying to them, don't ask us your questions. So, so then they're gonna go and look for other answers. So they may find those answers from let's say a white supremacist who's lurking online in a multiplayer video game. They may find that answer from another five-year-old kid. Why, why shouldn't we be the one who, who are answering that question? That's precisely what, what we did. And we talked about bad rules, unfair rules. And she knows all about un unfair rules because she doesn't like her bedtime rule. <laughs> Completely unfair, I'm sure. <laughs> so you talk about how racist attitudes can form very early in children based on how parents and key adults treat other people of different races, the dolls they see, the people that they're around. You also mentioned that many white people tend to live near other white people and the importance of getting proximal and exposing our, our kids to people of all different races, all different ethnicities. So can you tell us what we can do right now in order to help our children develop anti-racist attitudes, even when they may not live or go to school in an area that has a lot of diversity? So I, I think with, with young children, so with, with older children, they're like what we're saying about different racial groups or even what we're not saying is absolutely sort of influential. For young children, particularly below eight years old, what's called nonverbal language is what's most influential in shaping the racial attitudes of children. Uh, and indeed, one study found that kids uh, have a, have a have, 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 because parents don't talk to young kids about their own racial attitudes, uh, kids tend to have uh, their perspectives on their parents' attitudes, uh, or I should say their perceptions, their own racial attitudes, are actually more determinant upon their perception of their parents' racial mm -hmm. attitudes, which for most kids, they think their parents are actually more racist than they really are, um, rather than their parents' actual racial attitudes. Another fascinating study found that uh, children who have a white mother 
their racial attitudes are more, correspond more to the number of interracial friendships that that white mother has than the actual racial attitudes of the mother. Hmm. Fascinating. Um, Really seeing it makes the huge difference. And and I was thinking about that. I was like, why is that? Well, it, it makes sense that let's say if everyone you bring to your home in a loving capacity, like you would a friend right. is white. What are you saying to your kids without saying about who's valuable to you, whose skin color? And your kids see this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but to your question, I'm sorry for all of that. Uh, no, it was to, fascinating. To your question, nonverbal language shows up in the books that we, all of us, no matter the racial makeup of our towns and schools, choose for our kids. So. Are we choosing books that that show people of all different skin colors, right? Are we pointing out the characters of different skin colors? To give an example, one study found that even when uh, black and white parents uh, show their kids uh, uh, diverse books, they tend to focus on the character of their own race. (laughs) The one that looks the most like the the child or themselves. Exactly. And so you know, even when we're providing books with many different people, are we putting focus on the, on the child or the character that looks like us? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously what media are, are we uh, providing for our children? What dolls, right. the, the toys, the games that they're playing? When we're walking down the street and we're passing a black male, are we getting scared? Because then we're saying something to our kids. We're saying black people are dangerous. Right, right. Right. We have to be very aware of our behavior, even when it's not something that we're saying out loud, we're not detailing in any way because kids are so in tune with their parents and how they are reacting. So that makes a lot of sense. I mean, they study us for a living. They do. They do. And I mean, we even if you just look at when, you know, when the child falls down, they look to us to see how am I supposed to feel about this? Am I am I hurt? Am I not hurt? It's all about how we react to them when they uh, look at us in that moment. I know that you feel strongly that critical thinking and empathy are keys to help to raise anti-racists. I agree with that. So let's apply that. When a child says something that showcases some signs of racist attitudes or ignorant attitudes, something like, I don't want to hold her hand because she has black skin, or those people might steal something in this store, right? Or what should we say like something that happens in a moment where they see somebody and have a reaction either non-verbally or verbally, what do we say in those moments that can help facilitate empathy and critical thinking? And in later moments after that occurs, maybe having a further conversation as well. Well, first, if, if our child says something like that, I don't want to hold her hand because she has dark skin. Typically parents don't want to engage with their child about that because they personally feel ashamed Mm -hmm. that their child would say that. So they almost like want to act like they're the child and say that. They almost punish their child for saying that. 
as opposed to understanding that our children are extremely vulnerable to those types of ideas that, you know, dark people are not the types of people we should be playing with. Indeed, one study found that by three years old, kids are already thinking that way, right? So the question is, are we just gonna just shut them up, right? And not try to get at what, to, to not try to sort of counteract that thought as if they're gonna not continue to have that thought. But the way that we would address that is, and I'm happy you asked this in the context of empathy in particular and critical thinking, because when it comes to empathy, we have to encourage our children to step into the shoes of people who don't look like them. Just like, you know, and when we are encouraging our kids to critically think, we have to encourage our kids to ask questions, particularly why. So we could respond with, how do you think that makes her feel mm -hmm. that you don't want to play with her? We can ask that to our child. We can ask that to a four-year-old child. Mm -hmm. And that, that question, you know, scholars of empathy are constantly encouraging us to, to have more inductive discipline in which when our child misbehaves, particularly relative to another child, instead of punishing that child, saying, how did what you did make that other child feel? Right. And, and so, you know, that's what I, that's how I would respond. Mm -hmm. And and I would also respond, how does it, how do you think it, how do you think it makes her feel that you think there's something wrong with her skin color? Like, you know, and so, cause you have to sort of get to the feeling mm -hmm. and get the child to think from the standpoint of that other child. And then we can talk about the larger idea that all the skin colors are equal. Her skin color and your skin color are both beautiful. Mm -hmm. Right. We have to be so careful with saying something like, don't say that because we want to engage in conversation with our kids about these critical topics. We don't wanna shut the conversation down so that our child doesn't ask questions or doesn't feel that they can say something to us. That is how they learn, that's how they grow, that's how they evolve. And by using empathy in this case, they can apply it in other cases when you're not around. Isn't that, uh, isn't that the case? Exactly, and scholars of empathy have found that people who have higher levels of children who have higher levels of empathy are less likely to be bullies yes. and are less likely to hold prejudicial thoughts about other groups. They've also found that kids who learn critical thinking skills are also less likely uh, <clears throat> to express bias about other groups. Right, right. Okay. So I marked up a bunch of pages on anti-racist education in your book. You point out that it's vital that we discuss with our children, one, not judging a person by their skin color, two, how rules can make things harder for people with darker skin, three, researching answers together, four, modeling anti-racist behavior, five, telling them about our outrage about negative treatment of people with darker skin, and six, making amends for mistreating a person because of their skin color. What would some of these types of conversations sound like? What your top conversations would sound like that might address some of these critical points that you make in the book? 
so the, the, the example that came to mind was something that I, um, I, I you know, a story I wrote about in, in, in How to Raise an Anti-Racist. And, and that's when I was, I think I was about eight or nine years old and I was walking through the mall with my mother. Mm, yes. And I noticed that there was a white sort of clerk who was following us. Right. And, you know, we moved, kept moving and moving and she just kept following us. It wasn't saying, hey, can I help you? Just following us. And I was just like, what the heck, what is going on here? And eventually I asked my mother, I was like, you know, why is that woman following us? And my mother looked up and looked straight at the woman. So she already knew uh, that the woman was following us and basically said she's, she's following us uh, because she thinks we're going to steal something. And then she went back to looking at whatever she was looking at and basically moved on. And then I also contrasted what she said. I sort of imagined that let's say if there was a white child my age who saw exactly what was happening. And you know, that white girl asked her mother, why is that person following them? <laughs> and I can imagine her mother sort of saying, oh, don't say that, <laughs> right? And I asked my mother later, like, why did you say that? Why didn't you explain to me, you know, what's called racial profiling right. and sort of break down racial profiling as a concept and then ask me, is it fair? Is it right? Is it wrong? How do you think it makes, you know, people feel? How should we be responding? I was, I was old enough to have that conversation, but, you know, she accepted racial profiling as this is the way it is and you just need to accept it. Mm -hmm. Just as I can imagine some, some white parents sort of denying its existence. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so a total acceptance and a total deniance, denial is gonna cause us to not wanna engage with our children of different mm -hmm. races, you know, about it. Um, and, but, you know, I, I'm mentioning that because that's a situation in which a child initiates the conversation. And I just don't think we appreciate the mm -hmm. number of times our children or our students, when they raise their hand <laughs> and they initiate a conversation about race and it's shut down. Right. And right. as opposed to, and then there are times, right? In which we may not know the answer. Mm -hmm. And a parent or a teacher can say, I don't actually don't know you know, let's figure that out together. Mm -hmm. Let's find a book that discusses it. Let's go to the library this Saturday and, and look for books that analyze it. Let's hop on the internet later when we have time, you know, to research this. Um, and, and so I, I'm just, you know, I think you can see I'm really emphasizing yes. that our kids are gonna ask those questions, but then there are times in which our kids don't, but we can put them in situations to ask questions. You know, if we want to teach them about uh, disproportionate numbers of black and brown people who are homeless in our community, mm -hmm. we can take them near a homeless shelter. Uh, and they're going to ask the question, why is this happening? Why are there so many brown people right. here? Right. So we can facilitate them asking questions. And I'm mentioning this because I know with my daughter who's six years old, when I try to lecture her, when she's not interested, it never goes well. No, no, 
Yeah, that is for sure. They definitely want to be part of the conversation, but they want to be almost giving you permission to be engaging in it because it's, it may not be the right time at that particular point. And I, I was thinking while you were talking that I wonder if this would also be a good time to bring in that empathy piece that you were discussing, where it's not just how do you think that makes them feel, but while you're watching this, like what's happening in your body, like how do you feel watching this racial profiling happening? Are you feeling uneasy? Because you want to make sure the kids are paying attention to, to that uncomfortable gut feeling that's telling them something's wrong here. Yeah. And this, this is not the right situation. This is not okay. Would you agree with that? I would. And oftentimes kids are experiencing something related to race and they it makes them feel uncomfortable and yes. and but they because nobody's talking to them or actively teaching them about racism whether they're teachers or parents they don't have the language right or even the conception to understand what's happening to them and we can understand that as adults right we can think back to, towards a time in which something was happening to us we didn't understand it because we hadn't learned about it yet and how uncomfortable it made us feel. And the flip side of that is once we understand it, yes, it's an uncomfortable situation, but we know how to navigate ourselves out of it or we know how to not, it not ruin our lives or our kids. And as the situations become more extreme, if our child heard about something that happened in the news at school, because a lot of people want to shield their child, but don't realize they go to school and then they're hearing about it anyway. They're hearing about Ferguson. They're hearing about George Floyd. They're hearing about Breonna Taylor. So would you again go through the same kind of questioning or allowing them to ask questions in that time um, as best as they, you can answer or researching it together, even as things get more extreme and it's not a racial profiling situation at the mall, but something violent that happened. One of the reasons why I was hesitant to when my daughter was born to really uh, even think about actively engaging her about these issues was because like any parent, like, as I mentioned earlier, like I don't I wanted her to feel good. Like I didn't want yes. to say something that would make her feel down or bad. But one of the things I came to learn, as I mentioned earlier, my, my, my wife's a pediatrician. And as parents, we understand the difference between going and getting a very short procedure that's going to allow our children to feel better over the long haul, even though the procedure itself was uncomfortable. <laughs> We right. understand, okay, you know what? Yes. Let's have them sit there for five minutes or 10 minutes or five seconds and feel uncomfortable. But in the long run, it's gonna make them more healthy. We, we do that all the time. It's the same thing with their minds. Mm -hmm. They can have an uncomfortable conversation, but over the long hell, it's gonna make them more mentally sort of healthy. It's gonna allow them to understand that the problem is bad rules, not not bad people. It's going to allow them to be empathetic to people who look like them and who don't look like them. And, and that's one of the things I had to learn, you know, as a, as a parent that yeah. it, it, it's okay 
for her to experience constructive discomfort. Mm -hmm. I like that. That's a really interesting way of putting it. I wish I could be on with you uh, for much, much longer. I think your information is so important and, and so relevant now. Uh, but for now, as we're getting toward the end of our uh, time together, can you give us your top tip? What do you hope that parents and educators come away with after reading your book or listening to this podcast on how to raise an anti-racist? I, I, I would love for parents to first to realize that it is protective for our children to engage with them about race and racism. And I would also want parents to, to, to realize how hard it is for them personally to talk about race and racism, to uh, navigate this racialized world and how much easier it would be <laughs> if they started this process when they were young, right? Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things that drives me um, to, 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 to have these hard conversations. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think so many parents worry about saying the wrong thing or, you know, offending somebody else or uh, just messing up, just messing up in some way, or they're, they're telling their child something and then their child blurts it out in the middle of the store. I think parents worry about a lot of that and it may deter them from speaking up when they should. Would you agree with that? Oh, with, without question, but, but know that the, to be a parent is to make mistakes. For sure. And to make mistakes constantly. And so we're gonna make mistakes, particularly even about when raising our kids to be anti-racist, we're gonna make mistakes. The, the question isn't whether they're gonna make mistakes. The question is, are we striving to do it? Are we trying? It's just like, we're gonna make mistakes when we're trying to you know, ensure our children grows up to be kind <laughs> because they're gonna see us at times not being kind. That's for sure. But, but that's, not the, the, that's not the question. The question is, is are we trying, generally speaking, to model this? You know, mm -hmm. are we actively trying to ensure our kid, you know, is, is kind despite those times which we're, we're, we're making mistakes? And just because we say an unkind thing one day doesn't mean we are a mean person. Just like anti-racist and racist are descriptive terms. These aren't identities. Mm. And, and, and our children can change and grow just like we can. Give us the resource of the week. Where can we go to get more information about you, your book, and the work you're doing? So ibramxkendi.com. Um, it's my, my website, which I think has all the information on, on how to raise an anti-racist and even my other picture book that's coming out this week, Goodnight Racism. And um, that's ibramxkendi.com. Excellent. And all of those links will be on the podcast page on my website. I want to thank you so very much for being on the podcast today, for giving us your strategies, your heartfelt ideas, and, and really giving us the permission and the words to talk about a tough topic, even when we're uncomfortable, because we're uncomfortable, so that we can move forward and really create a world that is anti-racist. So thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on. 
Well, I've got my takeaways and sweet friends, I know you have yours. Let's discuss them. Come up to Facebook and go to the Dr. Robin Silverman page or let's chat about it at drrobinsilverman.com or on Twitter under Dr. Robin. And I'm also on Instagram under Dr. Robin Silverman. And if you love this podcast like I did, and I know how helpful it is to really hear from somebody who understands the topic completely, Would you please go up to iTunes and rate and review it so other people can learn about these outstanding strategies, solutions, talking points that Ibram X. Kendi brought into our world and use them in their own homes. I truly appreciate it. That's all the time we have for today, my fellow parents, leaders, and educators. Thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please go to drrobinsilverman.com. So many great podcasts are up there, and the show notes to this podcast will be up there as well. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember, even on the days when you fall short, you've got this. You're here. You're getting the information you need. I know it's not easy, but never forget there's always tomorrow. Parenting often provides the ultimate do-over. I see you and I'm right there with you. And as there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet sanity, please know you are 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com.